Smashing the Plateau. I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. If you're going to kill me, will you just package me out? And three months later, I was packaged out and I turned out to be the happiest unemployed person alive. Today on episode seven of Going Solo, I'm speaking with marketer and brand strategist Jerry Mazur. We discuss how Jerry extricated herself from a job that was debilitating. Listen as Jerry describes how she tried several alternatives to her corporate job, eventually figuring out how to combine what she loved to do, what she was most competent at doing, and solving problems for those she felt most compelled to serve. You can find out more about Jerry and all of our episodes at smashingtheplateau.com slash going solo. Are you building your business after a job loss? Let's talk. Visit our site at smashingtheplateau.com. Click Schedule Time with David to speak with me. Now, before we jump into this incredibly important topic with Jerry, I have to talk about our marketing team at CadSource. As you know, we want to improve the lives of as many people as possible that deal with a late career job loss. CadSource knows how to build connections with our audience through amazing content marketing. It's reassuring to work with the team that gets us. Everything the CadSource team produces is top-notch and does exactly what we need. We highly recommend the CadSource team and their content marketing services to you as you develop your marketing strategy. They will help you with the creative and the execution of the creative. Learn more by visiting CadCM.com. That's K-A-Z-C-M.com. Now let's welcome Jerry Mazur. Jerry has been a marketer and brand strategist for more than 30 years. During her corporate career, she worked with clients as diverse as Pfizer, Purdue Chicken, and Princess Cruises. Today, her focus is on emerging and mid-sized businesses, and her practice ranges from marketing coaching of solopreneurs to providing outsourced CMO services to larger organizations. With experience in many diverse categories over the course of her career, her practice is industry agnostic. Good marketing is a process that can be applied successfully to any business. That's because the basis for marketing is an understanding of the customer. If you know what your customer wants, then you can figure out where your product or service fits into their lives. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. I'm so happy to be here. Jerry, what is it that you most love to do? Uh, from a professional basis, I actually am a problem solver. It's figuring out how to touch your customer in a way that has meaning is really exciting to me because it's almost like I'm, I'm shining a light on things because people that are selling things, products or services, are frequently not sure about what their, how to sell their product or how their product is affecting their customer. The customers are making decisions, not necessarily rationally, but more emotionally. Almost everybody makes decisions. Anyway, but, but figuring out that little piece of the puzzle, how one connects with a customer, uh, how one connects a product or service to a customer's needs is really exciting to me. It's what I've been doing for years. And the fascination never stops because every product, service, or category is different. So it's not 
just that you like to solve problems, Jerry. There's a particular kind of problem that you like solving. Well, that's, yes, of course, that is the problem that I solve for my clients. (laughs) Thank you, David, for that clarification. Yeah. And, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. What led you to this particular niche of problem solving? Well, when I was at my last agency job, I was the director of strategic planning. And that is what planner does in the agency side. You develop strategies that actually help touch the consumer. And that's what I did. I turned out to be uh, quite successful at it, actually. I had a great new business track record. I had watched the agency, the, the group that I was involved in grow from 24 people to 124 people in about in the eight years that I was there. And it was, it was a really exciting time for me. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't just that you liked to help companies do a better job of connecting with their ideal customer, but it was you were also really good at it. Yes. I actually didn't know how good I was at it until I started doing it. Um, I started my career in market research, uh, which is fairly concrete. The number you design a survey, the numbers say this, and you take actions based on what the numbers say. The the Strategic planning role is much more highly intuitive. You can start with numbers and having some data and some market information is really helpful, but to actually go from there to a strategy is not always a straight line and you really need to trust your gut. And for me professionally, it took a bit of a leap for me to get from a, you know, numbers and facts human to an intuitive sort of marketer. And having made that leap, I went, oh my God, I think I can do this job. You know, and I held a position and and ran a department and and we had great success. That's really a, an interesting reflection that you realize you were really good at using your intuition and capitalizing on it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I didn't know what I didn't know. And then once I knew it, it was like, oh my God, I can do this and I can do this well. And um, from what I've seen, some people rely too much on their intuition and it often fails them. And other people are afraid to use their intuition when they should. Yes. And the interesting thing about the role of a planner in an agency is that it's probably the most perfect left brain, right brain combination job. You've got the creative team that is highly creative and functions almost completely out of their right brain. And you have the account team, which is uh, tends to be more strategic and functions out of their left brain and tries to make the client happy. And the role of the planner straddles both. And, and I wound up in a perfect left brain, right brain job, you know, where I could use my intuition, but I also needed my strategic skills to, to deliver on that intuition. So it was, it was a really perfect fit for whatever skill set I seem to have. Right. That's really great to hear. And, And how much of your landing in that perfect fit kind of role was by design and how much was by circumstance? That's a really interesting question. The industry, when I started in the industry, there was no such role as planning. Uh, you were either in market research or account or creative. That's pretty much how agencies worked. And I was in the market research department. And over the years, this idea of a planner uh, 
became fairly common in the U.S. It was actually imported from the U.K. And it was almost a trick that companies used for new business, but it seemed to go over very well with clients. And little by little, agencies started implementing that. In, and my first, my first, when it happened to me, I was basically given a new title and told, hi, we're going to test this out. You know, and I went, uh, well, if you test it, it's actually not going to ensure its success, but that's a whole different issue. And there was lots of, there was lots of anger in the agency about the role because it took parts of the account people's jobs and they resented it, you know, so, so it had a rocky start in the U.S. for a variety of reasons. Um, but eventually that there were then research departments and there were planning departments. And not every researcher could be a planner because it required an ability to make those intuitive leaps. And somehow I wound up there and it worked. And it sounds like you had a good run. I had a great run. I had a really great run because before I spent eight years at the agency, I brought that planning process. The previous six years, I was uh, head of planning at a public relations agency, which never even heard of planning. And I brought the entire planning process into PR. It was a really exciting time. And Jerry, how did the great run end? Ah, well, basically new management wanted a new management team. You know, that's that's the easiest description. And I and wanted all the expensive senior people out of the agency, which he uh, got rid of on a fairly regular basis, starting with creative directors. And I was, it was hard to let go of me because of the role that I played in the agency. And one day in the middle of being tortured, it was a Sunday night. I was in the, I was in the building. It was about 10 o'clock at night and the HR director walked in with my dinner. We were in the middle of a new business pitch and I was so miserable. I was so miserable by that time. What's, it was the best, started as the best job I ever had. And it ended as the worst job I ever had. And I was so miserable that I looked at the HR person, half joking, I only half joking. And I said, if you're going to kill me, will you just package me out? And three months later, I was packaged out and I turned out to be the happiest unemployed person alive. How quickly were you happy after you were shown the door? Oh, 10 minutes. <laughs> Really, that's how miserable I was. I don't know. To, for me to get severance and not work in what became a really uncomfortable, seriously uncomfortable job was like dying to go to heaven. You know, one day I woke up and they took me out of my three window office and put me down the hall in a two window office. I mean, I knew there was something going on. So initially, as you became unemployed, there was relief. There was relief, there was joy, there was peace. I had, you know, I worked 60 hour weeks for eight years. Suddenly I didn't have to. Suddenly I could turn around and, and I did nothing for a while after that. I just needed to decompress, you know? So I took a couple of months and literally did nothing. I uh, traveled, I did a couple of things, but I really didn't even focus on what I was going to do next because I, I went to, I mean, they sent me to outplacement. You know, but I really didn't focus on what I was going to do next because I just needed time to to recover from that. Yeah. And as you were recovering without any initial plan, was did you have any kind of feeling of being a little anxious about what might be coming next? 
not initially because I had, I had income coming in. I had saved up a significant amount of money in the bank. I wasn't really worried financially. It was, I knew it was going to be really hard for me to get on the job because there are not that many planning director jobs available in New York City. And plus, I commanded a really high salary. So I knew that was going to be hard. And a, a friend of mine who was a coach actually suggested to me that I might make a great coach. And so I spent that summer in coach training, learning how to be a coach. You know, I also knew one thing when I walked out of the agency life, which is that I never wanted to work with a Fortune 500 company again. It was just debilitating. But not working with a Fortune 500 company meant that I basically gave up all my contacts. Any possibilities for consulting would have been in the context of a Fortune 500 company. Or working in an agency on a freelance basis would have been in the context of a Fortune 500 company. And there are many freelance planners that make lots and lots and lots and lots of money. Um, but because I never wanted to work with another Fortune 500 company again, I knew that I was going to have to do something completely different. I didn't quite know what it was, but I knew that I would have to just find a different path. And how hard was it to find a different path? Ah, well, I left my coaching training and I opened up business as a, a general business coach for small businesses and solopreneurs and people who are trying to do something better than what they were already doing. And I started networking and I started making contacts and I had a couple of clients that was not going to make me rich at the rate I was going. It was barely going to pay for lunch at the rate it was going. And it just, and there was an awful lot of people. This was also in the last recession, last major recession. So there were a lot of people who were out there sort of doing the same thing who had turned themselves into coaches or were trying to figure out. I'd go to a networking meeting and there'd be five people in the room who called themselves a coach. It was sort of, it was like tribbles. They were, coaches were everywhere. And I didn't get a lot of traction as a coach. And I, I could tell you all the reasons why I think it happened. Part of it is that I couldn't promise an outcome. You know, people were going to pay me and they didn't know what they were getting you know, they'd get something soft and smushy and, um, and I didn't know what the outcome was. It was a process that I was selling a process and me as the process facilitator, but I didn't know what the end was. And there was another thing about people thinking that I was really going to get into their underwear, you know, that I was going to find out all their secrets. Small business people have a lot of dysfunctionality in their business and I'm not judging. It's just that, because for a variety of reasons, they don't have the staff, the team, the funding. And, you know, and, and, and for a lot of people, they're trying to do it all themselves, which creates some level of dysfunction to begin with. And I don't think people actually wanted me to get in their underwear and discover. So, you know, some of them had financial problems. Some of them had staffing problems. Some of them were control freaks. They, I don't think they wanted me in their underwear. And so I didn't have a lot of traction. And I knew I had to figure something else out. And I uh, basically stared at my computer for six months. I have never not been able to solve a marketing problem and knew that I would solve my own, but I had no idea when that was going to happen. And I literally just spent six months staring at my computer until I got the eureka moment. 
which was to help people do marketing, which is what I know best, branding and marketing and figuring out their brand and figuring out their communications. And from a coaching perspective, particularly with solopreneurs, teach them, help them to figure it out themselves so that they don't need me, so that they can march off and do it themselves and not waste their time and their money. And it felt perfect because it took my years and years of experience, professional experience. It took the coaching piece that I had learned. It took my real desire, real desire to help people not make mistakes. When I went into the small business world, I saw so many people wasting money, time, money, energy on marketing that was ill-conceived without a strategy or without a clear understanding of what the outcomes were going to be. And it just broke my heart to see people make these kinds of mistakes. And so suddenly all of these things, all of my experience came together with a passion in a way that it was sort of like I gave birth to something that just really made sense for me at this time in my life. So you combined what you love to do what you were most competent at doing with whom you felt most compelled to serve. Absolutely. That's a really good way of saying it, David. I didn't know, it wasn't conscious then, but in retrospect, that's exactly what happened. And then I had to go find my target. Who am I going to pitch myself to? But I had a real concrete thing. You know, I can help them get a market, put together a marketing plan. I could help them finish their website. I could help, you know, there were real outcomes that could happen out of the relationship. And it made it easier for them. It it set expectations better. It made it easier for me. It all, all things sort of, it just changed, you know? And how long did it take until you got enough traction that you felt good about your where your business was? It was quite a few years ago, so I'm not even sure I can answer that question. But it could have been a year. I knew I was on the right path, you know, but I was, again, starting from scratch. I had to sell myself differently in my networking groups. And that's not easy. There were people in my networking groups who, who still thought of me as the old business coach. You know, I had spent two years trying to communicate that. So it, it took it took a considerable amount of time for things to turn over. Yeah. So essentially this was Jerry Mazur 2.0. Yeah. As an entrepreneur. Yeah. So overall, roughly how long was it from day one of unemployment until you felt you had a viable business that was working? Uh, including the, the semi-vacation time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I, I, I think, I think it's important for, for people to realize that this is not a quick thing. It could have been three, four years. It could have been that long. And if you were looking to help somebody else who was going through the same process of becoming suddenly unemployed and trying to figure out how to essentially recreate herself or himself in a way that, again, combines what it is they love doing the most, what they're most competent at doing, and who they feel most compelled to serve, what advice would you offer? Well, you know, as a, as a coach, one of the initial exercises that I did with my clients, there was a couple of them, 
One was to to do a sort of semi-meditation and really envision where you wanted to be in a year, 18 months. You know, just really have a clear picture in your brain of what you wanted. But the the other question was to say, what do you really love? Where is your passion? And to get them to follow that passion. Because if you're passionate about what you do, then you can sell it to people. If you're not passionate, you're not going to connect. I mean, if you go back to basic marketing, marketing is all about touching people on an emotional basis. And the best way to touch them is through passion. Nobody wants an intellectual pitch saying, hi, my water bottle is better than your water bottle. You know, they want to be reached on, you know, on those days when you're marching through the desert and you're really, really thirsty and you feel like there's no water in sight. You know, you want something that reaches them and you can only do that with some level of passion. And if you're not passionate about what you do and you can't express that when you talk about it, you're not going to have any clients. Yeah, makes sense. Makes perfect sense. You've got to dig deep. And passion may not be what you were doing for the last 20 years, you know? I loved what I did. It, it satisfied my ego. I was extremely well paid. I got to a point when I would walk into a room with men, you know, men in suits. And when I'd open my mouth, everybody in the room would be quiet to hear what I had to say. It was, it was very, very rewarding to me. But it wasn't serving a Fortune 500 company and having them make another hundred million on top of their, it wasn't actually emotionally satisfying. And I didn't find that peace until I was out of that environment. And I don't make nearly as much money as I made in those days. And I don't care because I'm a way happier person and I'm doing good work and people appreciate me. I was giving a presentation once uh, a couple of years ago, and I had a slide up that had my my big agency creds. And somebody said to me, um, "What's the difference between working with those big agency clients and for, and and the clients you work with now?" And without missing a beat, I what came out of my mouth was, "My clients today say thank you," and that makes all the difference in the work that I do. So, who are your ideal clients now? Has it changed any since that that period where you? became Jerry 2.0? Um, it has. It has. I take on less coaching clients. They're, they're sort of the, the little solopreneurs. Are, they're not my focus now, although I will have a relationship with any business person. I'll figure out how to do that. I now look for bigger clients. Uh, my goal is basically to generate recurring revenue because that makes life really easy. And I have learned that for clients with less than a certain marketing budget, I am more of an expense than an investment. And if they have a bigger budget, I don't feel as expensive to them and I can help them spend their money better. And so it becomes an investment. And so there is a line there in terms of the client size that I prefer. But I'll you know, I'll do a quick project for somebody. You know, I don't have any, um, I'm more picky about the kinds of clients that I take. I want ones that 
I will enjoy the work and I think that will be a mutually beneficial relationship. I don't need to take every client that comes along. And actually, every time I took a client and my gut said, don't take the client, it turned out to be a disastrous relationship. So I really, uh, I make a lot of effort to make sure that they're the right client for me and for my business, you know, but I tend to have more bigger clients these days than I do smaller clients. So. And Jerry, if someone wants to learn more about you and whom you serve and how, where would they go to do that? Ah, well, it's very easy. They can go to my website, which is Jerry Mazur Marketing, G-E-R-I-M-A-Z-U-R-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G.com. You can call me. I'm ha- actually, I talk to anybody. I'm more than happy to talk to people. And you can call me at 917-509-9906. If you go onto my website, you can download my free guide to called Five Steps to Creating a Brand. Anybody that's starting or even thinking about starting their own business needs to think about themselves and their business as a brand. So it is a very, very important first step for anybody who is um, going to venture out out of their corporate world and into a brave new one. Um, And you can find that on my website. And so that would be great. Check that out. Jerry, um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us, sharing your experiences. There are so many people that are facing some of the same kinds of challenges that you experienced and um, and where you have figured out how to recreate yourself. So I really appreciate your coming on and sharing your story today. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate being here. My guest today has been Jerry Mazur, the founder of Jerry Mazur Marketing. Thank you again, Jerry, for joining us. Thank you, David. When you visit the Going Solo website, At goingsolo.smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how Jerry Mazur built a successful business after extricating herself from a job that was debilitating. Are you building your business after a job loss? Let's talk. Visit our site at smashingtheplateau.com. Click Schedule Time with David to speak with me. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Going Solo to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.